It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's a place here at the table. Your coats go by the door. You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor. I hope you wore elastic because your waistband's going to get tight. Take time. Sophie and I'm Ari and this is having a night the podcast dedicated to reviving the lost art of the dinner party here we are Ari what did you eat this week I well it's the uh the week after Labor Day yep the days after Labor Day and it's like I'm coming down off of a a binge a drug binge of food yes so I haven't I've been eating a lot of like leftovers and food from the CSA but yesterday I went to the U.S. Open Mm -hmm. for the first time Hashtag I love tennis. I'm newly if I'm I'm trying to acquire a new hobby, which is tennis. Which is watching tennis. I also only like to pronounce it tennis because I'm obsessed with all the Australian uh, announcers. Australian tennis. Australian tennis. Tennis. Get some hate mail from. Oh my god, like, I, we don't I, sound like they that. They probably we don't. What I saying like that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the food at the U.S. Open is so good. Uh, I was a U.S. Open virgin, so I don't know if it's always like this, but they had all these stalls that are like local flushing. Flushing is in Queens. It's a really amazingly diverse with amazing food, this, this neighborhood. A lot of Chinese food. They had Dumpling Galaxy, where we have had dinner. Oh, my God. Yeah, so lamb dumplings. There was Vietnamese food. There was, I had a banh mi at like 11.30 p.m. And then, of course, I had some waffle fries. Jose Andres, who's a very famous Spanish chef who's blowing up in, in New York right now, especially he opened a taco. Stand, you guys butterfly. can't see me, but I'm in shock. Is the U.S. Open the best place to eat in New York City? I don't know, but New York's food, uh, I mean, uh, sports events are uh, much better than anywhere else in America, I think, in terms of the food. Fair. Well, probably. I think I- so. Like in Chicago, I feel like at Wrigley, you can still only get a hot dog and nachos in that little plastic container, which is great. But it's just different. Right. Yeah, I just hate sports, so it's hard for me to uh-huh. go to a sporting uh-huh. event. If, if there's no good food, I won't go, it's basically. A, yeah. so. It's a good rule. But, I mean, talking about tennis, Wimbledon. Tennis. Talking about tennis. Wimbledon, you know, famous for strawberries and cream. Didn't know so, that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a reason to go. Oh, yeah. Well, it sounds fabulous. What did you eat? Well, it's funny that you opened this talking about, like, the three-month food binge of summer because I feel like I'm finally coming down off of it, which this week for me has been an attempt at just more salads, more greens. So I've really just kind of been in, like, a a, a salad days. Mm-hmm. Salad days, salad days. Um, so that's kind of been my week. But, but the week really started with our guest... Today, you guys, I'm so excited. We can't believe that we got to talk to this person, sit down to eat his food. Yeah. David Tannis. David Tannis. I mean, culinary guru. Yeah. 
And I also feel like his style of cooking is so much of what we, of how we've modeled our own cooking and version of throwing dinner parties. Anyway, he's incredible. If you guys don't know who he is, he has a column in the New York Times. It's called City Kitchen. Every week. I can't believe this guy develops recipes every week. Yeah, he's a chef. He's a restaurant developer, writer. He's just an incredible, incredible man. I, I find that on my New York Times cooking app, which I love, like 90% of my recipes are David's. Yeah. So listen up. Yeah, we talked to him last week. We also got to cook with him and eat his food. And we were so lucky to have him and to share our experience with you. Yeah. We're sitting here with David Tannis. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> very, very lucky. <laughs> He's cutting the ends off of some beautiful yellow... Wax beans? Wax beans? Or a mono? Uh, string beans. String uh, beans. <laughs> Just, Just go simple. T- when in doubt, go simple. Yeah. <laughs> no, but they really are. But also, they're the, like the best string beans in New York. <laughs> really? You go to buy string beans in most uh, farmer's markets or supermarkets or yeah. anywhere they don't pick them small enough they pick oh, them when they're great big and fat and does that mean also that the flavor sort of dissipated no they just don't there's an ideal size not too yeah. small and not too big yeah and once they start to get big then they get sort of you know starchy and fibrous oh right. no I so, so um there's this one farm here here is montauk here is yeah out here is in, the I dare say the Hamptons out loud. Here's the South Fork. South Fork. <laughs> out here on the out, out here on the South Fork, there's this one nice farm stand. Yeah. Called Balsam Farms. Balsam, Balsam Farm. Farms. I've and, heard. I've heard of them. Oh, yeah, I feel like I see the name in my and head. And they're the only ones I know who actually pick the green beans at the right size. Ah. And the I, only ones. Only ones. Well, soon the whole world is going to know about <laughs> that you're supposed to be picking green beans at the right size. When I was going through the little pile and picking the absolute best ones, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there was a lady doing the same thing. And I said, aren't these the greatest green beans? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. Well, the secret's out. <laughs> so, I mean, since our podcast is really about cooking, hosting, throwing dinner parties, you know, all of the things that you are incredibly gifted at, but since cooking is your entire life, do you enjoy hosting or at this point is it just work for you and does it just feel like a a chore no do you guys have dinner parties yeah all the time all the time all the time i love having people over i'd much rather cook at home for with a bunch of people at my table than go to a restaurant yes i shouldn't say that since i'm in the sort of in the restaurant business but uh i mean restaurants are all it's all well and good, but you know, you really only get the table for an hour and a half before they start looking at you sideways. Yeah, um, and it's really expensive. Sometimes the food isn't really as good as you could make it. You know, no, that's the worst it's, feeling. Yep, it really is, and it's so true. So that can be a disappointing experience. Well, especially because restaurant culture is—it's now such a culture of cool. It's like a part of how people, you know, what is it? Status. Whatever you want to say, part of how people like to show off. Sure. Yeah. Have you been yeah. here? Have you been there? Oh, we went exactly. there. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so, what do you cook when you're cooking at home? Do you cook things that are really simple? Do you cook your own recipes? Yeah, that's what I'm curious about. Are you experimenting? Are you using a recipe? Or yeah, do you at this use a point recipe at all? You, yeah. Not usually. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually, uh, I mean, it's like if you're going to say, for instance, 
roast a pork loin. I have an idea about what I'm going to do. I've done it a hundred times right. or more. Right. Um, and depending upon which way I want this seasoning to go, I just, you know, I don't take out the measuring spoons. Right. I do it by eye yeah. or, by, or by feel. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's how we often cook. And then, so, you know, sometimes at a dinner party, I'll sort of decide to experiment a little bit. And then kind of five minutes before everybody gets there, I'm like, oh, my God, I must be an idiot mm-hmm. experimenting right before, you know, I have 12 right. people coming over. Right. You are like doing something I've never done before and inviting yeah. guests over. I once made a meal for my dad for his birthday. And I think oh, there yes. were eight other people there. And the meal was so atrocious. I mean, I cooked three awful things. And Wait, it let's see if I remember there was a duck situation, right? <laughs> it was a duck situation. Yes, well done. Was there, was there a pasta? There was a white gazpacho oh, situation. Do I don't know. It sounded so delicious and creamy and sumptuous, but but instead it was like really grainy. It was so strange. And well, my mom, of course, was like, why would you ever experiment with a recipe <laughs> right. when people are coming over? But Well, there, I mean, there is that... that that little piece of wisdom is don't try a new recipe um, and don't actually trust a recipe <laughs> until you... Yeah. Don't uh, trust a recipe, says the man who publishes recipes. Well, I mean, <laughs> you can trust mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, except, except for mine. For mine. <laughs> yep. No, I mean, I mean uh, often you can read a recipe and say, hmm, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Although some people read my recipes and uh, just decide to deviate immediately, mm-hmm. which uh, I would say... Try it that way. Wait, do you do you read the comments on your own recipes? Yeah, I shouldn't. Oh, oh my god, god. it's like reading your own reviews. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I'm sure that people are like, I would never put that much salt in this or whatever it oh, is. Oh, absolutely. And they're all chatting to each other, Ugh, right? And they're like, like, Yeah, I wouldn't. One's a critic. That was a really. This is a terrible recipe. Uh, <laughs> does do your that. ego yourself? Yeah. Does your ego get bruised? <laughs> Sometimes, but then there's always someone that comes along and says, I followed the recipe exactly as written, and it was brilliant. Exactly. (laughs) I I find that sometimes cool. But don't you think that that's also this culture of everybody also wants to be an expert? Mm. So it's like everybody wants to prove that they also cook. Oh, yeah, Yeah. I just had some cauliflower lying around, so I subbed it for the zucchini or whatever. And it's like, okay, but that had nothing to do with the recipe. recipe. Thank you so much. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) thank you for your input and your engagement. I didn't have any eggplant, so I used uh, 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 broccoli. Yeah. Uh, and it came out great. Yeah. It's like, I really like this recipe. Yeah. For moussaka. Broccoli moussaka. Uh, yeah. Totally. So do you have any, like, favorite things to make for a crowd that you find yourself making over and over again? Or things maybe that your friends request when they're coming over? Oh, yeah. Like a fan favorite. Yeah. The best, I mean, the best thing to do when you're cooking for, I mean, if it's going to be... A crowd, yeah, um, is keep it simple. You know, when you're cooking at home, you don't have an assistant, and you don't have somebody washing dishes, and mm-hmm. you don't, and you want to be relaxed, right? You know, so you, you really should cook what you know and what you feel comfortable with, but also don't try to do too much. If you have an oven, use it. You know, yes. and uh, try not to use the stovetop too much. Or, you know, make sure you have one cold course and one warm course, but not two warm courses. Right. Unless you don't want to be at the table. Well, that's something that we talk about is it's so, it can be so hard to be hosting, trying to be an actually good present host while simultaneously, yeah, half of your brain is just sitting in the kitchen yeah. freaking out. Yeah. But then, of course, it's nice to, to entertain in the kitchen. 
Yes. Yeah. But I think everybody wants to be there anyway. Yes. Uh, right. And, and so I don't mind, actually. Uh, mm. I don't have to have everything ready when, when people arrive. But you are so relaxed. Watching you in the kitchen is like... Watching, Very meditative. It's so meditative, and you don't seem rushed or... And, of course, you're a professional, so that's... You actually are not rushed in the same way that an amateur would be. But it's such a different feeling that I usually have in my own kitchen or when I go over to someone else's house of just relaxedness of generally everything's going to be okay it's going to make it it's well, some, well it is I mean it's only dinner exactly you know, like, how, how bad could it be right yeah uh, and everybody you know knows how to cook a little bit so it's not like you, you don't necessarily go to somebody's house expecting to have to help cook the meal but on the other hand it's kind of fun you know so mm -hmm. if for instance I mean you put out some things to nibble on and open a bottle of wine but if you still haven't done the green beans yet you know you can stand around and top and tail green beans and still have a good time yeah we talk about that on the podcast and try and live that cooking lifestyle but it still gives me anxiety when i've got friends around and i'm trying to finish something uh, up in the back of my head yeah. i'm just and especially when they ask if they can help i'm oh, yes. still not what can, I'm I, what can i do to help just Such leave me alone. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Just like sit there and drink, pour yourself a glass of wine, and talk to me. But mm -hmm. but also, I feel like then sometimes you know the person wants to have a full catch up while you have like a face full of steam, oh, and right, you know right, you're right, trying right, to right. pour out pasta or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good idea to have it mostly taken care of before yeah. people come over. But but it's also a good idea just not to make it too complicated. Yeah. Anyway, so how many dishes would you do? If you had, let's say, four people come over. Uh, 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 we'd have something to start. Maybe it would be a salad. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we would have a roast of some sort, mm -hmm. you know, or uh, grilled something or other, mm -hmm. grilled fish, one vegetable. Yeah. And a simple little sauce, whatever it might happen to be. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then it's nice to have either cheese or dessert. Yeah. Cheese is easier. I know. So much easier. And people can bring it. You don't have to buy all of it. True. And people get really excited about a cheese course. I mean, for good reason. I'm a little more savory than I am sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I don't mind having something after the main course that is still in, uh -huh. the, in the savory direction. Yeah. And you can keep drinking wine. Well... I've never had a, a Welsh rare bit, mm. but you know, that's that's like a whole extra mega cheese course. Do you know what that is? I thought that was like a sandwich. It's funny because the French have cheese and then dessert. Right. But the Brits have uh, dessert and then a savory afterwards. It's so, to me, that's like the ultimate, like, it's almost like drunk feeding. You know what I mean? It's yep. so excessive to mm. have this huge piece of bread, like, slathered in. Do they put it under a broiler? Is it or like something? a croque-monsieur? It could be. It's it almost could, like a croque-monsieur. It could be, you know, or some little savory pastry with with the blue cheese, or yeah. you know, something like that. It's almost but, like coming back to breakfast. Oh, after that's your totally dinner. me, though. I always do that. I'm going back to savory after I have some ice cream or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I could go back and forth between. Yes, yeah, forever. And <laughs> Just forever until dawn. <laughs> but, but you know, but then also, if you have a cheese course, then. Whatever you serve for dessert can be super, super simple. You True. know, it's like a bowl of tangerines, yes. you know, some chocolate, yeah. you know, a little candy ginger, nut, yeah, nuts, 
Yeah. I mean, like walnuts, fresh walnuts that you crack at the table. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's and also then the table looks so great, you know, with a few tangerine peels and cracked walnut shells and yeah, you know, it's or, great around the know, holidays. Or, or, or whatever the season is, you know, yeah. a huge bowl of cherries in the, oh, that's the, in the best. summertime or that mm. sort of thing. Do you always cook very seasonally or do you allow yourself to sort of to stray? It tastes better in season, Yeah, I think. So, I mean, I, I do wait until springtime uh, for asparagus, for instance, because mm-hmm. it's, it's nice to have something to look forward to. It's true. Well, I mean, maybe it's just a romantic notion. And I, the whole business of, of shipping vegetables from halfway around the world, it's, that's crazy. It's, it's crazy. crazy. It's, and also because they're picked, then they're put into these freezing cold containers. So it's, I mean... The flavor, of course the flavor is going to get lost along the way. Yeah, well, you lose freshness. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you can go to a farmer's market, uh, I mean, to me, that's the ideal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The ideal thing would be to have your own garden. Yes. You know, and go out and pick salad before dinner. So David also lives in New York City. Do you grow anything in your apartment? I have no uh, land at all. You know, so I have pots I put out in the summertime. Oh, okay, yeah. I have pots of herbs. Mm Mm-hmm. I have a fig tree that I take inside <laughs> oh, wow. over the over the winter. It has never borne a fig. Oh, but, damn. But I but use, those, at least but the leaves I use are beautiful. The, but I use the leaves. Oh, yeah, I think when I was first up here, you had the yeah, leaves. Yeah. I, yeah. What do you use them? Do you wrap fish you can, or meat you, or do you, you can, put you them can, in a salad? Uh, no, I mean, you can wrap fish and, and uh, cook fish in them. That or, sounds or you can so cook good. Uh, cheese in them. Oh, or, yeah. Or, or you can just... When you're Maybe. doing a cheese plate, yeah. you put down a couple of fig leaves yeah. and then you put your cheese, cheese on, top. on top. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Very or beautiful. fruit, the same way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there anything you hate making in your many, many years of cooking? Is there anything that you're like, oh, God. Yeah. I can't think of too many things that I don't like to eat. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of people have, like, I will never eat that. I won't, I won't eat that. I, even as a kid, I, I mean, I was weird. I mean, it was like, I ate liver. I loved it. Yeah. You know, yeah. We were both the same. Spinach. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. People say, well, what's your favorite recipe? Yeah. yeah. Who's your favorite child? I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, do you do you feel very attached to all of the recipes that you develop? Oh, I feel attached to them, yeah. But, I mean, I also feel like there's really nothing new under the sun. Um, yeah. I'm, most, of yeah. The, most of the recipes that I develop, Someone has done something yeah, like right. it before, somewhere, somehow, sometime. Yeah, yeah. But it will be my approach to making it. Right. I'm invested that way. But yeah. I think you should make it my way. Right. But, <laughs> but, but maybe you have a better way, and I would love to learn it. Right. You know. Do you ever um, make uh, a dish that you know you've published a recipe for and add in something different? Not, maybe not... You're not substituting broccoli for, mm. but something just a different spice, and then think, oh God, I should have put that. I suppose yeah, put that so. in the I mean, or version. you know, or, or, the, the sort of the the concept evolves. A, for instance, is uh, have a recipe for shaved asparagus. It asks you to push an asparagus spear along a mandolin. A ma- a mandolin. Ow. Ow. Uh, <laughs> and I did it that way for a long, long time. And then I discovered that actually, uh, with a thin-bladed sharp knife, uh, you can get pretty close. Yeah. And actually, uh, quite a lot easier. Those mandolin, and 
Oh, it hurts. Oh, it does. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, you wouldn't want to do that. Oh, my God, I'm just thinking of a poor person looking at your recipe, using a mandolin with their shape to stare at me. What? Okay. You're here. You're throwing a dinner party. You're hosting whatever you want to call it. You've made this beautiful meal. Is there anything that really irks you? Like, if someone is being incredibly picky or pick certain things out of what you've cooked or add or... salt before trying yeah. it. No, I don't like that. But a lot of people don't, a lot of people do it because they're accustomed to eating food that hasn't been seasoned. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So you don't hold it against them. It sounds. Well, I think that uh, they shouldn't assume that the food uh, needs something needs to be doctored before they've at least tasted it. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's yeah. Very bizarre. I, I do yeah, find that a bit irksome. I also, when people go to a restaurant, and, and photograph their, the dish um, yes. before they eat it. Mm-hmm. Flash it out to the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Imme- immediately. It's like, put your phone away. Yeah. You know? It's funny doing this podcast because, you know, Ari is amazing and she's been doing our Instagram for it. And it's it's a really hard thing. We both hate that so hate much. To be that person. But then it's this idea of, oh, creating content that it's like so a part of our world now. But yeah, if I'm, and when you're at a restaurant and you no, see people, when you're doing at a restaurant, it's, just like, it's so weird. Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's such a, a strange line to, to walk nowadays of hating the thing and then feeling that you maybe also have to do the thing. Yeah. Then again, you're looking at everybody's Instagram feed and they can be so sort of vain. You know, it's like, here I am. You know, in Mallorca, this is what I'm eating, right. and I'm yeah. having a fabulous time. Right. My life is amazing. Yeah. It's so fake. You know, it's like, well, I was also just going to say that often the things that taste the most delicious look terrible. Mm. Yeah. You know, and there's this sort of, I mean, nowadays you see these beautiful pastries, you know, that people are posting, and it's so hot, and it's the new place, and you taste it, and you're like, this is like the least memorable fatty. thing yeah. I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yeah. It's true. How do you feel that with like this prevalence of everyone being gluten free? Does are you? I mean, you're a nice guy. You're very accommodating. But does it like ever kind of irk you when someone is requests or comes over and is like, oh, and by the way, tonight I'm not eating carbs? Mm-hmm. I think a, a, a guest at a dinner party should sort of take care of themselves. Yes, uh, we think the same. You know, uh, in the, in that regard, if yes. they if they know that there's only some one little thing that they can eat, then then That's bring it along, you know, yeah. uh, or, or just don't eat yeah. uh, that particular course or yeah. that particular part of the course. Is it okay if I don't have cheese on mine? Of course, you know, it's like, yeah. but working in a restaurant, uh, you often find uh, some people have uh, severe dietary issues. Yeah. And, and I respect that, of course, but a lot of people develop them after they've arrived at the restaurant. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of them also develop them after their friend just decided. Yes. Uh, yes. yes. You know, that that is know, a very prevalent so, disease. So, suddenly, there <laughs> suddenly yeah. there are uh, you know Contagious. two gluten free people at the table, uh, or two vegetarians, or right. you know. Anyway, I mean, everybody has to eat the way they want to eat, but you also shouldn't. Then don't go to a restaurant and learn Horrible. to cook. Well, Don't yeah, come over to my house. Yes. Well, that's really... <laughs> no, but it's true. It's no, but I mean, I, I, I have friends. And don't forget, I don't eat peppers, and I don't have that. And, I, you know, some, you know, I really like this, but I don't like that. I mean, I, I like, must... Are you serious? I mean, yeah. It's like, I mean, 
I'm, I'm just inviting dinner. you for dinner. Yeah. Come over and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that some people who announce themselves to be dairy, lactose intolerant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, suddenly ice cream. Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. By the time they've yeah. had a few glasses of wine and it's I know, dessert. I love that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm lactose intolerant, but I don't care. Right. It's like, wait, but you cared when I was... But with all the other right, things, when we were having the ravioli, yeah. <laughs> they may do this extra special thing because you couldn't have. Oh, that's it. the worst. And then you see them digging into what their friends. Yeah. yeah. God. Well, I am really vegetarian, but I, uh, but I love bacon actually. Yeah. Like, right. So. Oh, I make an exception for bacon. You right. do? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I kind of. I mean, I, I, I like the idea of being a bacon vegetarian. Yeah, you know, I so. love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I really like what you just said, and this idea of the mindset of, like, you, why don't you just come over and we'll figure it out. To me, that's, like, uh, what it is, what it feels like to do a play. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I can prepare a lot before I get into the room, but rehearsal start, and then we all figure it out together. And mm-hmm. obviously the director, the chef, or the home cook is the one kind of leading it. But I think for dinner parties... Even if you've thrown 500, you still want everything to be in order and you want to impress in a certain way. And we don't, we don't think that impressing someone can also include, like, I don't know, include them in that and, and, and kind of hearing what they, whatever diet they're on. I mean, hopefully it's not that, but that it doesn't have to be done or perfect. And I don't mean in the strict sense. Yeah. It's just the way that I still like my dinner parties to feel kind of done. Or I've done the exact amount of prep work so that when my friends come, I can just be doing the finishing touches and it looks all very graceful and clean. Yes, yeah, so you can be hanging really out. And... expanding your idea of what the what the first hour or whatever mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then again, um, there, are some, there are some dinner parties that you really want to be perfect. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and, but yeah. aiming for perfection at, you know, at a dinner party at your house, unless you have a staff, you know, yeah. is, so is like a little bit unrealistic. Yeah, it's totally know? unrealistic. So, uh, and uh, and maybe you don't want to have that kind of dinner party anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, know. exactly. Well, sometimes, well, I think sometimes it can feel so nice to feel a little fussy about things. Sure. Because it's so not how... I mean, at least in New York, it's very hard to live your life in that way. Like you said, unless you sort of have a, you know, a bastion of staff or something. But but it can be nice to feel like things are a little bit fancier. But in general, it's just nothing needs to be so. There's a word in German called eta potato. Oh, you know, eta potato, which Ari thought was eta potato. Of course I thought it was that. It sounds like that. That doesn't even sound <laughs> like German. <laughs> sounds like a petite. But it really means fastidious, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. like in general being that fastidious, especially when people are coming over, it's just not enjoyable. Yeah. You know, but every once in a while it's like, oh, beautiful tablecloth and pressed linen. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. A treat. A treat. Exactly. Yeah. When, well, no, you, when you want to, I mean, you want to spoil your guests. Yeah, you do. Yeah, exactly. You Spoiling do. people. But um, you want to take care of them. Basically, you want to take care of them, yeah. and you want them to feel at ease, uh, and you want to you want to feed them something better than they got at that other place. Yeah, you know, at that other friend's house. Yes, but you know, still, it's dinner. Yeah, uh, it will survive. You will. Yeah. Like, where do you get inspiration? Because you write a recipe every week for the Times, and where do you come up with your inspiration? And what are the first steps? The first step is well, what month is it? Mm-hmm. You know, and also let me go to the market and see what is there. Yes. Uh, 
I mean, because that's the way I plan a menu anyway. It's like when I'm going to have, you know, a little gathering at home, I don't think, okay, this is the menu I'm going to make. I go to the market and see what looks best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and then the menu comes together. Right. So, I mean, I might say, well, I'm definitely going to do this pork loin because I just, you know, I just went to the butcher and this is the most beautiful Berkshire pork. I'm definitely doing that. Yeah. But and as for what's going to be the first course, what's going to be the accompanying vegetable, what is going to be for dessert, that's all up in the air mm-hmm. until I kind of go to the market and see what actually looks good. Yeah. Because um, you have your heart set on, you know, making whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, well, I was so disappointed. I went to the farmer's market and there wasn't any... Asparagus, whatever it is. Yeah. 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 And I really wanted to do that, but I was like, well, you know, do it next time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's say you're having, or not you, your average New Yorker, maybe they don't cook that much. They mm -hmm. have a regular office job. Mm -hmm. They haven't done any prep. Mm -hmm. They have time. Maybe they can grocery shop before work or something. Mm -hmm. So they get home at six. They're Mm -hmm. having four people over at eight Mm -hmm. and they're not trying to spend a lot of money. Mm -hmm. What would you, what are some of your recipes or what's a meal idea? that they could make in like two, what did I say, six, two hours time. You can make a meal in much less than two hours. Okay, All right, fine, one let's make it harder, okay. 45 <laughs> minutes. No, no. You walk in, you take off your coat, oh my God. Two. No, no, but, but seriously, I mean, the 30 minute meal I don't really believe in, because yeah. it's just no. too rushed. Yeah. I yeah. mean, really, be serious, take an hour, you yeah. know, yeah. but uh, you can easily put a meal together in an hour. Um, and it may be pasta and a salad. Yeah. Yes. But it'll be a delicious yes. pasta and a delicious salad. Yeah. And a bowl of fruit and maybe some cookies that you didn't make, you know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, but you know to be delicious. Right. Yeah. Some I love that. Like What's a special so funny, fun like, bakery that you love or some from like some cookies from the Bronx or something special. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's like that's how I would cook for myself if I was coming home alone and didn't want to do a big fussy thing but wanted to eat in an hour I would make a really yeah. good pasta and a great salad yeah and I like committing to like especially if you don't cook a lot like a, a pasta with a really good sauce and a salad and that you're just focusing on that so often we're like you should make like four dishes and we have a little template that we use but mm-hmm. which is sort of like you know a like you were saying like a salad yeah, and a, a side, side vegetable and a meat or a, you know a grain or whatever it is on the other hand you don't necessarily have to go home and put everything together that day if you know that you're having people over tomorrow you could do something when you get home tonight that's true uh, and have that part done yes you know uh, there are a lot of desserts that are that can be made in advance that are fine braises like you know a braised uh, chicken dish or braised meat dish only gets better as it sits in the refrigerator so you can do that couple of days in advance it's so satisfying to then take it out and be like this this whole part of the meal i don't have to prep at all right now here it is oh and you can make like a little gremolata or something to freshen it up yeah make us make Mm. a salsa berry Mm -hmm. okay if you are going to an airbnb Mm -hmm. so let's say Mm -hmm. right here right you're cooking in a kitchen that's fine but it's not exactly the greatest stocked kitchen what are the things that you or the or maybe that a lay person that you would recommend that they bring? Like, what can you not do without? Well, bring a couple knives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring some chilies. 
Yeah, chilies. That's a great oh, idea. Either fresh, chilies. either uh, fresh chilies or, or 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 you know dried chili flakes uh, powder. Uh, bring something like that. But uh, but having a couple of good knives is always the best it's because such a good because sugar. I mean if you <laughs> nobody ever has good knives in a place that you're renting. No. Yeah. Uh, you can deal with any kitchen. You know, it's like, it's so nice to have a kitchen. Yeah. You know, it's like rather than stay in a hotel. Yeah. Because then you can go to the market and buy the stuff that you otherwise just, you know, yeah, you, long for, but you, yeah. have, you have no way to cook. What other cookbook authors do you love, if anyone? Or do you get excited yeah, who do you by? trust? I like Indian food, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm by no means an expert yeah. uh, in Indian cooking, but... Uh, uh, Madhur Jaffrey yeah. um, is so excellent, mm -hmm. uh, and she's taught me a lot about Indian cooking. And her books are all really, really great. I've come to know her personally, and she's—I mean, she's just the most wonderful person. But all of her recipes really work. Yeah. And she writes in a very smart way. I think she just turned eighty. Wow. And she just published another cookbook. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know how she does it. Yeah. I have so many of her cookbooks as well, and I really love her. And it's also something that I don't think I understand those flavors well enough because I didn't grow up with them as much. And so right. it, it's so helpful just to have great guidelines and talk about things that you can make ahead. Well, and she also uh, writes rather simple recipes, mm -hmm. you know, so she's, she's a great mentor. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. It's so nice to uh, hang around with you guys. It's so well, It's really our... Honor, our, our honor. greatest honor. Thank you. Wow. Wow is right. He's so amazing and so knowledgeable and also just like the kindest, gentlest soul. I know. And I wish you guys could have been here to cook with him because he's so effortless. Oh my God. It's really something to aspire to. And I get it. He's cooked in kitchens his entire life. But like, I just want to ad adapt that whole... I don't know, way of being in the kitchen. Just like yeah. you have as uh, how many hours it will take and you're just going to like knead this dough in the most gentle way possible. And I don't know, yeah. it's so relaxed. Well, we were talking so much about, you know, when Ari and I make pasta, we need this dough. I'm sweating. Like literally sweating. He's standing there. He's like, you don't need to put, you don't need to put that much effort into it. If yeah. you are, you're probably doing something wrong. In a way, I'm like, Maybe the food seizes up if you put in so much effort. Totally. But can we talk about what he made for us? Yes. Oh my God. Some of the best things I've ever had. He made a Middle Eastern feast, for lack of a better word, with kofta, so like these lamb meatballs that were so good. Yeah, we'll post all these pictures. Yeah, a tahini dressing, a shug. Yeah, and which so is what's like, the shug? Yeah. So shug is a, it's like a traditional Middle Eastern condiment that's a lot of cilantro and hot peppers, and I think there are other herbs in it, but it was to die for. Yeah, it's Garlic. like a green sauce, an herby sauce with this kind of Middle Eastern, there are probably but, some spices in but it. But it tastes so fresh and so clean. I yeah. think that cilantro. I feel so bad clean. for people who, uh, who hate cilantro. I don't get, feel bad for them. I, I do, because I, I love cilantro so much. I guess. So we have that also with grilled vegetables and the homemade pita, you guys. The homemade pita. The homemade pita and also the homemade crackers Wait, he made. He made these homemade crackers from the same dough as the pita, or like a similar dough as the pita, that he then just kind of roasted in the oven. Oh my god, they were... But he made a fava bean dip with them. Yes. That killed me. It did. 
And then the next day, you guys. This was outside. Outside. Oh my god. On well, this little a- burner, just like well, these lobsters. He's seared to get like the oil infused with the lobster flavor the and most there was beautiful clams fish and stock. mussels fish stock the most beautiful saffron rice the perfect uh what's it called so sokorat yeah sokorat oh that's like the crispy it's like the tadig at the bottom of, of the rice it was so good was the that? aioli the aioli this garlic aioli made that was so smooth i feel like whenever i make garlic aioli that bite of the garlic and the olive oil is like uh, it hurts the back of my throat. Yeah. But he just kept adding the oil. I would have stopped long before he did. That was the, I think it mellowed it out and just made it the most like glossy, beautiful texture. He also only used one egg yolk, which yeah. I think we all get, we all get caught yeah, up. Yeah, we all, <laughs> we all get caught up with Don't the eggs. Don't drag me into this. No, but like, I think often people use more yolk uh, than you actually need. That's part of why it was so smooth. Yeah. So that was so special. And we were outside and there was white wine and you were Manchego just Manchego and Manchego and all the Spanish food. Also there's a photo of me holding an umbrella over the paella Sunday in the park with paella because I know the burner kept going out. Wait, what was I singing? Sunday on the rice. <laughs> Sunday with the rice of a paella. Oh my god, <laughs> so dumb. Um, he loves show tunes. He and his boyfriend I don't out him, but love love a show, show tune. tunes. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. As you can tell, we're extremely elated and excited that we got to interview David. But thank you, not only to our guest David, but to our amazing editor Colin Schmeling. Our producer, Rebecca Cobert, Authentic. New Neighborhood. Ad Large. And to Ari. Thank you, Ari. Oh, my God. Thank you, Sophie. <laughs> and thank you to all of our listeners who have stuck with us. Thank you for, for listening to season two. You can follow us at Having a Night on Instagram. And please, if you like the podcast, rate us on iTunes. Only if you're going to give us five stars, okay? Otherwise, we need don't those bother. five stars. It's the only way. We love you. See you next week. Now go throw a paella party before the summer is done. Mm. Yes. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.